Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Man, have you ready for a breakthrough? Are you truly ready? Amen. You know, expectation is the breeding ground of miracles. What are you saying? I'm saying if you expect a miracle, you'll make a miracle happen. Amen. And we have to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, I want to talk today about one of my favorite topics, and I really believe that God put this on my heart. Some of you uh, have walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and so you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about today because many of us have endured the loss of someone that we love and that we care about. And it's critically important that we are reminded of the fact that our, we're, we don't grieve as the world grieves. That we don't deal with death the way the world deals with death. Because how do you know we have this blessed hope? Amen. We have this blessed hope. We have this promise that has been made to us that those who have gone on, they are not in our past, they're in our future. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. Have you got somebody in your future that you already know and love? Come on and give the Lord a hand clap of praise for those that have gone on before. But we have more than just the blessed hope of being reunited. The Word of God tells us that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead would quicken our mortal bodies. Amen. Have you realized that there's a distinguishing difference between Christianity and every other major religion? And that is that if you go to the tomb of Muhammad, Muhammad is there. If you go to the tomb of Buddha, Buddha is there. If you go to the grave site of Karl Marx, Karl Marx lays there buried. But when you go to the tomb of Jesus, the tomb is empty. Everyone say it's empty. Amen. The tomb of Jesus is empty. Why? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so he didn't return as some kind of a spirit. Amen. He didn't come back and haunt the church. For a few days before he rose, amen, but his body was resurrected. Have you get what I'm saying by that? So that when we go to the graveyard and we, uh, we, we, we lay somebody down in the ground, we are really planting a seed. A seed that is based on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus is the first fruits of our resurrection. Everyone say the first fruits. So he being the first fruits of our resurrection, amen, he rose from the dead. He physically rose from the dead. Amen, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? In other words, this body is going to be redeemed. Amen, the redemption of this body. The Bible tells us, amen, that the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Hey, man, have you ever wondered why the Apostle Paul had to give such specific instruction to the Thessalonian church? They have excavated various tombs where it's said on the tomb of these first century Christian believers in Greek, you know, I don't know the actual Greek words, but basically it says, too late, or you missed it. Because for a season... The church in Thessalonica misunderstood the teachings of Paul and believed that Jesus was coming so soon and only those who were alive when he came got to go. And so when a Christian brother or sister died, 
They literally wrote on their gravestone, too late. You missed it. Isn't that sad? To think about that. I mean, yeah, they were expecting Jesus to come any day, and that must have been very exciting. And and yet, the Apostle Paul, when he writes to them, he has to give them doctrinal instruction and explain to them what? That the dead in Christ shall rise first. Amen. When Jesus meets us in the air, amen, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. The graves are going to burst open. Can you imagine being in church on that Sunday morning when they read Paul's letter and you thought your loved one had missed it and now you know by the instructions of the apostle that it's not too late, that, this, that these, these bodies will be redeemed. That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall quicken. Quicken means to bring alive your mortal body. Well, pastor, what does that mean to us today? Number one, you better take good care of yourself. (laughs) You know, (laughs) now I'm not saying that when we get our glorified body that we're not going to look a little different. We just might. I mean, when Jesus walked on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize him. But he did bear in his body the scars of the crucifixion. Or have you know he wouldn't have been able to show them to Thomas. Are you following me this morning? I'm just laying a little groundwork before I preach to you a little bit. Because, hey man, it's important that we hold fast to the redemption of this body. And what does the Bible say about that transformation? That's very important that we understand it. Very clearly the Bible says that it will happen instantaneously. It is a supernatural occurrence. Amen. That when the trump of God sounds, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Amen. What is the trump of God? Amen. The trump of God is the voice of God. It is the voice of God. Have you know that the voice of the Father is not like any other voice? The voice of God, amen, the Bible says in Revelations, it was a voice as of many waters talking. Have you ever stood by Niagara Falls as millions of gallons of water fall by the second? It's a roar so loud that you can't stand right next to the falls and talk to the person next to you. I've went into the caves where you can go in behind the falls and there's a wall of water coming down and the roar is so loud. It must be 110 decimals. If it's, if it's one, it's 110. I mean, it's a roar and that is the voice of God, the trump of God. Amen. A matter of fact, John in the book of Revelation said, I heard a voice as a trumpet talking saying what? Come up hither. So what is the trump of God? One day we're going to hear the voice of God calling us home. You know, when Jesus was being baptized, one of the gospels tells us that a voice spoke out of heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the crowd went away thinking it had thundered. I remember reading that. See, only those that could hear by the spirit of God could understand the voice of God. When the trump of God sounds, everybody's not going to hear it. Amen. The world may just think that it thundered outside. Boy, every time I hear the crack of thunder, I think about that. Woo, this could be the day. Somebody shout, this could be the day. Amen. Because the trump of God, God's going to say, come up hither. Just like he did to John in the book of Revelations when he raptured John up into the, into the heavenly and began to reveal his plan for the future church after he'd already revealed the seven dispensations uh, through the churches of Asia. Amen. He now begins to reveal the end time church and we see John is raptured up first off and immediately. That gives me great hope. Amen. That we could get out of here very quickly. Amen. Have you believe that's one of the reasons why it's called the blessed hope? Amen. Because we are, not, we are not going through the tribulation. The Bible says, pray that you may be found worthy to escape all these things. It's a very popular teaching today that people are going to go through the tribulation and that Christianity is going to evolve into the manifest sons of God. Amen. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in the moment and in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. When it says the dead in Christ shall rise first, that's everybody who's dead in Christ. Then when he says we which are alive and remain, isn't that everybody? 
We which are alive and remain, if we're part of the church and the body of Christ and we're awaiting the coming of the Lord and we watch it and well as praying, the Bible says we are going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And here's the part I want you to get. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, the reason we struggle today in America, amen, to fill our churches is because that we have other things that comfort us rather than the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our hope should be in the Lord. I said our hope should be in the Lord. Our trust should be in the Lord. People get ready. Jesus is coming. Amen. The biblical uh, pattern, amen, is established in Titus 2 and verse 13 when it says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Not only that, but then it goes on to say he's coming and his reward is with him. That's very important that we understand that because one of the great rewards that we will receive when the trump of God sounds is the Bible says not only will we be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, but in that moment our salvation becomes an eternal possession. So what are you talking about? Until this body's been glorified, we are all subject to temptation. The apostle Paul warned that even he himself could become a castaway. Is that not the word of God? And so uh, we're all in danger of backsliding. How many of you have seen people backslide? You never dreamed they'd backslide. I mean, be honest. I mean, people just do crazy stuff. I mean, you know, a sin, temptation... It can wear at people and it can wear them down to the place where that they give in. Now, we know God has made a way of escape, but not everybody's smart enough to take his way of escape. Amen. And so they, 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 they don't realize and recognize that the enemy comes in constantly and unrelentingly to try to kill, steal, and destroy and break covenant with God. But the glorious thing is, is that if we endure to the moment of death, or we endure to the moment that Jesus Christ returns for his church, our salvation becomes an eternal possession and we can never lose it. How many of you think that would be a wonderful thing? Come on, how many of you think that would be a good thing? Now, how do you think it would be great to have a glorified body? You know, I honestly believe that I ought to write a book about our destiny is to be a superhero. You say, why? This whole generation is addicted to superheroes. Superman, Spider-Man, Batman. They got a new Captain America movie coming out, Wolverine. It's all about the superheroes with the superpowers. Am I right? I mean, we're addicted to superheroes. And you say, why, are, why is there such a fascination with this? I mean, why is it? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because it's our destiny as human beings, amen, to, to have our body redeemed and for it to be glorified. And once our body is glorified, what's going to happen? Well, when we look at the ministry of Jesus after, amen, that he rose from the dead, amen, we see that he had the power of flight. How do you think that'd be pretty cool to fly? Oh, come on. You know you've always dreamed about strapping a jet pack on. I was watching a program the other day, and the guy said, where's my jet pack? We're supposed to have jet packs by now. I mean, back in the 50s, they was already drawing pictures of it and making movies about it. They figured we'd have the technology by now. We wouldn't even need cars. We'd just fly into work at a Mach 1. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? As long as someone else ain't flying the direction at Mach 2. That would be all right. Yeah, well, when we get glorified, we'll be able to fly. The other thing, they they were in a room, the Bible says, all the doors and windows were closed, and Jesus walked right into the room. Now, that's a pretty cool superpower right there, isn't it? I'd like to have have that superpower. You know, just kind of walk into a room. You don't need doors. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Just just walk in. Praise the Lord. My wife never locked me out of the bedroom again. Praise the Lord. Well, actually, I can unlock our bedroom door with my fingernail. So anyway, that's not a real big problem. But But wouldn't that be an incredible power? I mean, we can fly. And then the Bible says all things are going to come to our knowledge. See, that's why the Bible says prophecy shall cease, knowledge shall cease. And what else did it say would cease? Tongues would cease. 
Now, the same verse tells us all three things would cease. Now, there is so much false teaching on this, and yet it makes no sense. The people who come along, prophecies shall cease. Yes, prophecies will cease when tongues cease. But neither one of those will cease until knowledge ceases. When will knowledge cease? When all things come to our knowledge. In other words, there'll, no, there'll be no more searching. There'll be no more studying. Once I have the mind of Christ in my glorified body, and I'm using 100% of a brain that I'm now only using about 10 to 15% of, depending on how bright I am, but I'm using 100% of the brain that God created, and I have the mind of Christ in me, all things come to my knowledge. I'm going to walk up to you. Maybe I've never seen you before, and I'm going to know everything about you. Somebody said, man, first thing I'm going to do when I get to heaven is I'm going to ask God the tough questions, you know. What about the dinosaurs? Is professional wrestling real? Does NutraSweet cause cancer? You know, the really tough ones. You're not going to ask God anything when you get to heaven. All things are going to come to your knowledge. You're not going to have any questions. Knowledge is going to cease for the believer. Tongues are going to cease. Why? Because we'll all speak the heavenly language. We'll be able to communicate supernaturally. So there's no need for tongues. There's no need for language. Amen. We become part of a collective mind, a unified body. Amen. The universal mind of God. Amen. We're connected to that. And we know all things. And so there's, there's no need for verbiage. There's no need for, for tongues. And there's no need, oh, well, what's going to happen when we get to heaven? And this one's speaking French and this one's speaking Spanish. And I know we've all heard the story. You know, white guy standing there saying, you know, when we get to seven, when we get to heaven, God's going to be white and the black person is there, uh, you know, and they're saying, you know, God's going to be black. And then, you know, they both died and went to heaven and the Lord said, hola, como esta? <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't, it's, that's not even going to matter, see. Because we'll have, a, we'll have one language, the restoration of that which was confounded at the Tower of Babel. There are no tongues. You, you see what I'm saying? And only when all three cease can one cease. So all these false teachings about things died with the apostles, that's foolish. All these things about the gifts of the Spirit are not for today, that's foolish. All these things about, you know, prophecies are going to end here. That None of those things can end until they all three end. How do you get that? And we don't get involved in false teaching until we pick one and say, well, this is going to end here and this is going to end there. Amen. Can I help you with this? This is the word of God. Now, looking for that blessed hope, the happy hope, the pattern of the Christian believer is the expectation of the coming of the Lord. If Thessalonians doesn't teach us anything else, it's where our hope should lie. In the fact that at any moment Christ could return. Even when the Apostle Paul was correcting their false teaching, he included himself and said, and we which are alive and remain. Now, how many false teachers have come on the scene and tried to fulfill the book of Revelations, amen, in 72 AD when Jerusalem was burned? And have you seen those kinds of teachings that are out there? But you can't fulfill the book of Revelations Amen. Through those particular stories, even though there was tribulation and persecution, no one can explain to me the, the, uh, the earthquakes that were going to take place that the Bible talks about and the, and the seas that turned to blood and, the, and so many wormwood falling out of the sky. See, they pick one or two things that happened to Jerusalem that are like unto something described in Revelation and say that fulfills all of it, but it doesn't even fulfill half of it. Did one-third of the planet die in the first three and a half years? No. There's no way to compare the very clear descriptions that we have in Revelations to what's happened in the historical past. But how do you know we can look ahead towards what's happening today? Was, was the fulfillment of Israel becoming a nation in a day? Was that, was that evident in 70 uh, uh, AD? Absolutely not. But the fact that now Israel has not only been born as a nation in a day. Hey Amen. And those of you that don't know history. Hey Amen. Need to go back and look at the incredible miracle of the restoration of Israel and how that God brought that about. 
fulfilling the seventh of eight great world persecutions that were prophesied in Daniel against the Jewish people. Now there's only one more world persecution to come against the Jews before the Lord comes back. And that will be from the armies of the Antichrist himself. Now those who have substituted uh, uh, the church and Israel and made uh, the church a spiritual Israel, amen, what do you do with the book of Daniel? When it's described seven great world persecutions against the Jewish people and, and yet and seven of them have happened and it says there's coming one more and the eighth is from the hand of the Antichrist, then how are we going to turn around now and stick the church in there? Why wasn't Hitler persecuting the church? He was persecuting the Jew. Why? Because he was destined to fulfill the prophecies of Daniel. Amen. I'm preaching to you today. How many are following me a little bit? A little bit of history lesson. But it's important that we get this. Amen. We can't substitute ourselves for Israel. Amen. God will always have a remnant. And there's two things that hinder people from understanding Bible prophecy. One, they do not understand, amen, that God has married himself to Israel and established an eternal covenant with David. Now, we have been engrafted into that covenant by the Spirit of God, but that doesn't mean that God has forsaken Israel. There will be a group that will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And there will be an eighth great world persecution against the Jewish people. It's so important that we see that and understand it. Because as a nation, as long as we bless Israel, God will bless us. But we are about to see the judgment of God hit America because of how that President Obama and Washington has treated Israel in the last few years. I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not bashing on our president. I'm blaming Washington. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing to Congress. I'm pointing to everybody in Washington who have allowed the policies that we have uh, taken towards Israel these last few years, amen, where we are constantly chiding at Israel to give up land for the sake of peace when it has never worked before and it will never work in the future. And there's a constant backing away from what the word of God teaches us, amen, concerning blessing Israel. Amen. If we bless Israel, we'll be blessed. Amen. The, the, the God gathered them from the nations of the earth. He made them a nation in a day, fulfilling prophecies that were thousands of years old. And not only that, the incredible thing is, when you look at the Hebrew language, it's the only archaic language that ceased to be spoken, was only around in textbooks, only spoken by professors and, and, and uh, uh, rabbis. And now it is the common language in Israel, because when they founded Israel as a nation, they said you will have to learn to speak Hebrew before you can become a citizen of Israel. Now, how do you think that's pretty incredible? When is America going to teach people to speak English so they can become American? Amen. They had to learn to speak an ancient, archaic language that was no longer commonly spoken. But if you wanted to be a citizen of Israel, which fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that said when they returned, they would be speaking the language of their fathers. Wow. Over and over again, the word of God points to, amen, this cataclysmic uh, 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 event that's going to transpire, amen, with, with, with this incredible uh, manifestation of the Mahdi, the Muslim Messiah, amen, who will unite the Muslim nations along with uh, uh, the, the, the Christians and the, and the uh, Catholics. So the Protestants, the Catholics, the Muslims will come together. Amen. And unite together. Amen. And he'll be, a, he'll be seen as a savior and as an incredible politician and, and as a man of peace. And he'll probably win the Nobel Peace Prize. And he'll be given such incredible influence that literally nations will be willing to let go of their sovereignty. Oh, that's an incredible con uh, uh, conversation to have right now. Major international conglomerates are now 
purporting that national sovereignty is archaic and it is a thing of the past and it doesn't mean anything. And I say to them, they are wrong and we are a sovereign nation. I would like to go a step further and say that we are a sovereign commonwealth here in Kentucky. Amen. That's part of a united republic. And when we let go of our sovereignty, we have already lost and given way to the spirit of Antichrist. Our soldiers don't need to be wearing UN uh, 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 stickers on their uniforms. They need to have the flag for the United States of America. That's what they signed up for. That's what they ought to be wearing. And that's who they ought to represent. They shouldn't fight under any other flag. Maybe alongside of other flags, but not under any other flag. Amen. This is a major issue. Why? Because these huge international conglomerates have promoted globalism as the answer. Amen. To all of our economic problems. But all that we have received out of NAFTA, the only thing we have expe- uh, that we have exported from the NAFTA treaties are jobs. We are in trade deficits with all the major nations. We are in debt to China, who is building up a major war machine. Amen. Getting ready to what? China to be that uh, army, that 500 million man army described in the book of Revelations. Amen. Things are being set into order for catastrophe in the Middle East. What's happening in Egypt? What's happening in Libya? The Bible says when we see these things happening, see, here's where we misunderstand sometimes. The word of God, Jesus is trying to tell us, listen, you may escape the tribulation, but you're going through the season of apostasy. Say, what is the season of apostasy? Apostasy is when we are so deceived that good is evil and evil is good. And when Jesus begins to describe the season of apostasy, he describes it as a season when sons turn against their fathers. When there are racial wars and tribal wars all over the world. Amen. He begins to describe that season. How do you know we're in that season right now? We're in a season where that if you don't believe in homosexuality, you're a gay basher. Where that if you don't believe in abortion, then you don't support women's freedoms. See how they, everything's twisted. You, they're pro-choice. We're anti-abortion. No, we're pro-life. We're for the life. The safest place on the planet for a baby ought to be its mother's womb. Something is wrong in our society when we have become so twisted in our morals. Why? But Jesus said in the last days, apostasy would be everywhere. And the church has to go through that season of apostasy. But we don't have to go through that season of tribulation. Why? Because Jesus, amen, rose from the dead. His body was changed. We're not in the midst of that transformation. Amen. We've already been saved. Eternal life is already inside of us. Have you realized that? Have you know eternal life is inside of you? Say, how do you know eternal life is inside of you? Because Jesus came into my heart and Jesus is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the God which is, which was, and which is to come. He's always been and he will always be. And as long as I've got Jesus, I've got eternal life. But I'm waiting for that moment, that quickening. The power of God. Somebody says, well, the Holy Ghost will quicken your body now. Well, I believe that. I've been quickened by the Holy Ghost. Woo! Have you ever been quickened by the Holy Ghost? I got quickened a little bit this morning. I'll just be honest with you. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, some of it I jumped and danced because I was praising the Lord. And then some of it, I, woo, I didn't know I was going to do that. Holy Ghost hit me. Anybody ever have the Holy Ghost hit you like that? Oh, come on, somebody. Anybody ever have the Holy Ghost hit you? Anybody ever have the Holy Ghost take you dancing? Come on, any old school folks up in here ever been dancing with the Holy Ghost? Come on, help me preach now. Don't complain because it never happens. You won't ain't no man to preach it when he talks about it. See, all these young people know about is jumping like they at a concert. That's all they know. They know the jumping. Amen. But sometimes the Holy Ghost just gets a hold of you, you know, and he quickens you. But that's not the quickening that Christ spoke about here. He said the same spirit that what? Raised Christ from the dead. He told us what he was talking about. 
Amen. That this body can be resurrected. It can be transformed. And this mortal shall put on immortality. And the corruptible, the incorruptible. Well, I can't wait for that moment of transformation. Amen. In that single moment, never to be tired again. Whoa, somebody say praise the Lord to that. Never to be tired. Never to be sore. My God, we've been starting to move a little bit of stuff and painting walls. And I'm telling you, I've been climbing up and down them ladders. And man, by yesterday, we, was, we got out the van and was going in to get us, a, get us some fish and, 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 and something there, you know, to eat. Man, I could already walk in the store. I just, man, these legs are just sore climbing up and down them ladders. Hey, man, standing up there painting all them little corners and, and then packing all that stuff. Brother Sam loaned us his trailer, but in order to use his trailer, we had to help him move his pool table. And his pool table's got a 2,000-pound solid slate top on it. And I picked that up, and we had about 20 kids helping us. <laughs> and they, they started letting go one by one until it was just me on that end. And I was going down, brother. I was going down. It was cutting a hole right into my hand. That's how heavy it was. And man, the next day I could feel that. I could just, I, my arm was longer on my right side. It just stretched the muscles out. You know what I'm saying? I could have reached to the back pew last Tuesday and scratched somebody on the head. I felt like my knuckle was dragging the ground. I mean, my back, everything, you know, went around the whole next day standing like this because the muscles was all stretched out. So now they're taller. But man, when we get glorified, when we get changed, how do you know? We don't have to worry about pain. We don't have to worry about sickness. Praise God, no more allergies. Somebody say praise the Lord. No more diabetes, no more hypertension, no more blood clots, no more cancer. Somebody shout glory to God. Amen. But we're going to be changed in the moment, the twinkling of an eye. We're going to be eternal. We're going to be something new, fashioned after the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see him as he is, and we shall be like him. Give God a praise for that. We have this hope in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is of God and not of us. Amen. This is just an earthen vessel. This is just an earth suit. This is just how I carry my spirit around. It's a, it's a spiritual attache. Hey Amen. This is just what's here. Hey Amen. Because of my soul and my spirit. But one day, this very body, hey Amen, that was formed in the image of our God. Hey Amen. Uh, this, this body that was created in the image uh, of that triune Godhead. Hey Amen. This body will be redeemed and it will be changed. Hey Amen. That's why we don't necessarily cremate as Christians. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm only saying, hey Amen, that in an expression of our faith, Amen. We, we, we take care of this body. Amen. We place it in a coffin. We sow it into the ground with the expectation that one day Jesus Christ is going to meet us in the air. I said, I said, our Lord Jesus Christ on that great getting up morning. Amen. Is going to come at the sound of the trumpet. Somebody said, well, you know, we're kind of moving into that season, moving into that time. No, it's going to be a divine interruption by the Father. Everybody's going to be walking along thinking everything's okay. Uh, and we got plenty of time, two men in a field. Uh, but one's taken and the other's left standing still. Amen. The Bible says it'll happen quickly because no man knows, not even Christ or his, the Spirit of God. But the Father alone knows the moment and the time of that appearing. Amen. That's why we can't put it at the end of the book of Revelations. Why? Because very clearly we can count the number of days from the abomination of desecration to the coming of the Lord. The exact number of three and a half years. Amen. That can't be the time of the rapture. The time of the rapture is second and glorious event. Amen. That occurs. Amen. The best scripture verse. Amen. That we can see in scripture that gives us some kind of spiritual insight into its indication as to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is when he says, he that letteth will let until he be taken out of the way and then shall that man of sin be revealed. There isn't a Bible scholar on the planet that argues the point that the man of sin is that son of perdition, the Antichrist. 
Not a decent Bible scholar that I know of anywhere that argues that point. But they tend to argue what is the he. Well, I would have you know that 12 out of 14 times when Jesus gives us a parable that includes the church, he uses a masculine pronoun to talk about the church. Have you following me? Have you know the church is the body of Christ? If we're the body of Christ, the church is a he. Somebody said, oh yeah, but we're the bride. Yes, we're, we're only part of the bride. You say, what are you talking about? Well, the bride, that new Jerusalem city coming down out of heaven will include, amen, not only the church, but it will include the patriarchs of the Old Testament. How do you know Abraham gets to go? Come on, touch somebody and say, Abraham, we can't leave him out. We got to let Abraham. How do you know David gets to be a part of that bride? Amen. Have you know those that have been dead in Christ? Amen. The Apostle Paul and Peter and Thomas and James and Bartholomew. Amen. They all get to be a part of that incredible bride of Christ. Amen. But we also are a part of that. But for the majority of the teachings of Jesus Christ, the church is the body of Christ and it is represented as a he. Everyone say he. He that let of will let till he be taken out of the way. Then shall that man of sin be revealed. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to getting out of here before the Antichrist takes over. Amen. I appreciate what Brother Steve was preaching about when he was preaching and teaching about the, the third day. Amen. Uh, uh, matter of fact, uh, uh, he, he kept saying it was in Amos, but it's in the book of Hosea when the Bible says after two days will he revive us. In the third day, what does it say is going to happen in the third day? He will raise us up and we shall what? Live in his sight. Praise the name of the Lord. That sounds like a wonderful rapture verse to me, doesn't it you? When did Jesus rise from the dead? But what part of the third day? The earliest part of the third day. Matter of fact, she went to the tomb early and he was already risen. Say, he's already risen. So in the very first part of this third day, we're going to rise up. But what's happening in this third day? We are moving into the holy of holies. God is bringing the church into its glory. Come on, somebody shout glory. You say, why? Because he's coming back for a glorious church without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing. Somebody shout glory. Now, here's what I want you to understand about glory. Amen. When something is, when something is hidden, but it's already there. And the Bible says it is revealed. How do you know? That's all you have to do to reveal it. When something is revealed, it already exists, but it's hidden. It's, it's literally from the root word there, it's veiled. And so it's unveiled. That's literally what revealed means. It means an unveiling. What are you talking about? Well, the Bible says the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. How do you know the glory is already in us? It's just getting the glory out that God is working on right now. And he's allowed tribulation and trouble to come into our life that he can bring that glory out. Amen. Not in the form uh, uh, of, of uh, persecution from the Antichrist, but we are now fighting that spirit. The apostle Paul said that the spirit of the Antichrist was even now in the earth. So if the apostle Paul was fighting the Antichrist, how do you know we're fighting the Antichrist? But according to the book of Revelations, we're not, the church isn't fighting the Antichrist during the tribulation period because clearly the Bible says that God is going to give him power over the church during the tribulation. So this idea that we're going to be all victorious and powerful, this kingdom now teaching that I hear all the time, hey man, it doesn't make any sense. The word of God clearly says the Antichrist is going to have power over the church. It doesn't sound very glorious to me. As a matter of fact, when they stand before the Lord, they're described as the tribulation saints, those who came out of great tribulation. Not the, not the church today, but the tribulation saints. Have you believed that when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a lot of repenting that goes on? Some of those people are going to survive. Some of those people are going to get a hold of God. Some of those people are going to refuse to take the mark. But we, that's not a glorious church, is it? How is it a glorious church when it's underground? How is it a glorious church when the Antichrist has power to take their lives? 
and he has power over them. Amen. No, the glory, the season of the glorious church is now. Somebody shout now. Come on, touch three people and say right now. I'm about to come into my glory. Come on, I can't hear you today. I said, I'm about to come into my glory. See, the reason that there's a lot of false teaching about end time revival is because that prophetically the Bible clearly says it's going to happen, but the argument is over whether it is a separate event from the outpouring of Pentecost. Have you understand that? So when the Assemblies of God put out a position paper saying they did not believe in an end time revival, a lot of people grabbed hold of that and said, well, man, I don't believe it. No, what the Assemblies of God believes is, is that the spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost and we are in the revival right now. Now, the only problem I have with that is, is we're not in the revival right now. The revival's in us. We have to let it happen. And prophetically, the word of God does give us a picture of a church that is in revival when the Lord comes back. Because we are going to be a glorious church. And he did say he would pour out the former and the latter rain together. Someone say together. So we're living in that season of the latter rain. Now, this is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And should we be in revival? Yes. Are we, are we in revival? No. Are we waiting on God? No. God is waiting on us. Why? Because he wants to reveal the glory that is in us. There has to be a manifestation of that glory. There's an outpour. We as believers should be coming into strength. We should be coming into power. We should be coming into maturity. The signs that Jesus did, we should be doing these things and greater things than these shall you do. How do you believe that's the word of God? But you know, we're waiting for the next big revival to hit over here, over there. And then we want to run down there and get us revival. Hey, man, I'm going to go down there and get me one of those. Somebody brought me back one of those healing outpouring T-shirts. I use it to paint in. You know, they brought me back this healing outpouring T-shirt. You know, and they came back and, oh, 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 the power, the glory, the blah, blah, blah. I said, well, listen, my apostle said it's not a pure stream. I ain't going. Now that the guy got, you know, practically arrested for fraud with the money and sleeping with one of the volunteers and his wife divorced him. I think we know why it was an impure stream. And what they called revival, what, what did they call revival? And let me tell you, what they were calling revival is what we call Wednesday night church around here. Amen. That's the truth. And they'll flock to that because they're coming out of total deadness. And they don't understand, amen, that there is a real tangible presence of God. And there's a whole group of people out there that are going to church in Pentecostal churches that have... Listen, when, when Sister Naomi Whitehouse came to this church, amen, we had a message that came forth in tongues and someone interpreted that. And Sister Naomi, the first time she was ever here, fell on the floor and wept for an hour. And after church, we went out to eat and I was trying to figure out what the big deal was. You know, what's the big deal? I mean, I didn't know what was going on while she was in the floor crying for an hour. And so finally, you know, after she'd calmed down and we went out to eat and we're talking to him a little bit and James and Sherry Keith was there with us. And I said, sis, what, what, what happened when you hit the floor like that? She said, I realized that I've been an assembly of God church since my kids were born. And she said, none of them have ever heard a message in tongues before or an interpretation. That's why I wept. She said, it took me back to my childhood. I grew up, I knew this, I heard this. But she said, I realized my kids have never heard a simple message in tongues and interpretation. That's what's going on out there, folks. And you can go there and the music's loud and you can jump and jump, 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 jump. But it's a whole lot different when the Holy Ghost touches you. And God begins to speak to his people and the power of God begins to reveal himself. And yet there's so much more for us. There's so much more that's available for us. The glory that shall be revealed in us. Listen, is that glory you? Oh, if everybody just knew how wonderful I was. <laughs> no. No, it's when we get hidden behind the cross and everybody sees nothing but the Holy Spirit. 
They don't see anything but Jesus. Boy, that's when the glory is revealed. That's when those precious saints of God who've soaked, soaked in the presence of God for years. You could go through their house and couldn't find anything that represented hell, the devil, the spirit of this world. Every picture, there's a verse. (laughs) Every trinket, there's a memorial of a missionary or a pastor or a preacher or an event that marks the, the glory of God. And when you talk to them, you feel the presence of God. You can't help but respect Him. Crazy grandchildren on ADHD can spend the summer there and come back and they're not the same. It's the glory of God that's being revealed in us. God wants the church to come into its glory now. 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 Right now. This is the day. This is the time. If there was ever a season to let go of this world and fall in love with God, it's now. If there was ever time to say, Lord, where you lead me, I will follow, it is now. If there was ever a time to be sold out the whole route, it is now. If there was ever a season to say, God, I'm yours, everything I am, everything I'm not, I'm yours, Lord. If there was ever a time to throw up your hands and say, God, I surrender, have your way in my life, it's now. This is the season and the opportunity Amen. For the manifestation of the sons of God. This is your time to arise and shine. For thy light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Somebody give God a shout in this place. This is our time to love. This is our time to shine. This is our time to walk in the glory and in the power of the cross. This is it. This is our moment. This is what we've been waiting for, praying for. And it's all up to us to simply be willing and be available. And I feel so strongly about what God is about ready to do. The prophet of God stirred me. He charged me. He challenged me. Amen. And the time is now to let the glory of God be revealed in us. There's coming a moment when this body, thank God, this body is going to be redeemed. But the time is now to walk in the Spirit. What are you saying? Don't wait for your glorified body to be glorified. (laughs) Don't wait for your spirit body to walk in the Spirit. Amen. Don't wait for it. The time is now. My God, church, we're destined to judge angels, the Bible says. Our destiny is to rule and reign with Christ throughout eternity. We've been selected by God for his purpose. Amen. And now is the time to arise. The Amplified Bible says it like this. Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Arise to a new life. Shine for thy light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Man, God's got glory for you. I said, God's got glory for you. Hey, man, can I, can I preach a little bit right here? Do we have to go? What time is it? I don't even know what time it is. We shouted so long. Oh, it's 1230. It's getting late. Let me hurry up. Let me just give this to you. Can you handle it? A couple of you want to hear it? Josh wants to hear it. That's it? The rest of you ready to go? Who's got Kentucky? Who's got KFC on their mind? We got one, two right there. At least they're being honest. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me talk to you about this glory for a second. You say, how does the glory? The glory of the Lord is the reputation of his name. If God's going to reveal glory in you, then that means God's going to manifest one of his names in your life. In other words, he's going to make you a testimony of his name. 
Oh, you see, you'd be excited right now if you knew the names of the Lord. See, the names of the Lord, Jehovah Rapha. If God's going to reveal glory in you, He's going to show the world that I am Jehovah Rapha, and the reputation of the Lord begins to manifest because when the doctor says there's no hope, God came down and said, I am that I am the great physician, I am the healer. Amen. I'm the one that brought the children of Israel out with not one sick among them. And now you're a testimony of the glory and reputation of my name. Oh, somebody praise God. If you understand, he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God that provides. So that means God's going to make a way for you. Supernaturally bless your finances so the world knows that he is Jehovah Jireh and that he provides for his children. Come on and give God a praise. Come on and give God a praise. Come on and give God a praise. I said, let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Because he's Jehovah Sabaoth. He's the Lord of hosts. When the devil thought he had me surrounded, thought he had me outnumbered, I declared those that are with me are more than those that are against me. Give God a praise. Hey! Praise the name of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. God's going to show this world who He is through you. Through you. Through you. God's going to reveal His glory through your life. Give Him a praise if you believe it. Come on and give Him a praise this morning. Come on and lift up your voice to God right now. Somebody shout, Lord, reveal yourself through me. Hey, give them another praise. Come on, give them another praise. Just one more time. Just one more time. I feel the glory. God, let your glory arise. Lift your hands to the Lord right now. Rachel, sing, let the glory of the Lord rise among us. I want you to pray this prayer, God. Anything in my life that doesn't bring glory to your name, that doesn't further your reputation, move it out of my life. And move into my life whatever it takes for the world to see your glory. And know that you are the El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. That you're Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my banner. That you're Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. That you're Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer. And Jehovah Jireh, you're my provider. Yeah.